I am Bill Cartwright with Living Right with Bill Cartwright. And this is the Stress Mastery Podcast, where we take you from the science to the spirituality of stress mastery. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Stress Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Bill Cartwright. And I am here with the super millennial, David Barreto, giving us the millennial perspective. Big Dave, how are you? Good. How's it going? It's going well. This is your episode, Big Dave, because this week our topic is setting a path. In today's Health Huddles, we're going to discuss setting the path to build muscle and size. <laughs> We've never done an episode on building size, my friend. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So I'm going to let, I'm going to cut you loose. And of course, I let you prepare for this, didn't I? Hey, you got 30 years on this one. I, I kind of say you might have the experience. Oh, <laughs> because we have two different perspectives. And let's talk about it. Let's start with this. As with all path to change, building muscle begins with awareness of understanding how muscles grow. So we'll come in with a little education before we get into more practicality. So the 600 skeletal muscles in the human body contract when they receive signals from motor neurons. Motor neurons are triggered from part of the cells called sarcoplasmic reticulum. Reticulum. Got it. Motor neurons tell your muscles to contract. The more you train and learn to concentrate, the better you become at having those signals tell your muscles to contract. The stronger you get. So it's not just walking into the gym once in a while. It's It becomes a practice. Yeah like anything else, but your body adapts to the practice. And it's not just how much you lift. It's the connection of mind, body. You agree with me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's a, I think that's the the evolution of the person who actually goes consistently. You know, you'll see somebody who goes every once in a while that never learned that. But the person who goes frequently and not even to become like a hardcore bodybuilder or a real athlete, but somebody who's just consistent learns to make their workouts way more effective and efficient. And part of that is the connection of the neuron connection. That's connecting the brain and the body. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at a weightlifter or a power lifter that's able to lift heavy weight, despite not looking that muscular, it's due to their ability to activate these motor neurons, these motor unit, this motor unit recruit recruitment explains why After practicing certain movements, everything becomes easier to perform and initial strength gains will be very fast. As you begin lifting, while strength increases in the initial period, muscle growth actually begins after. Mm -hmm. So you don't see big muscles right away. You'll start to see increases in strength. And I also will say, if we're talking about this recruitment, motor unit recruitment, and this is what my saying is, I want to see what you think. I think free weights are better, and I think free weights are faster. It makes you coordinate the movement. It makes that connection of mind-body much different than just using machines. Your thought on that? I think the, the it kind of falls into two different categories for me because I think the, the free weights is kind of like where you should start. It really tells you where you're in balance, where you know, your, your whole central nervous system kicks in. You start to really feel things that you've never felt before. And I think then when you build a foundation based off of that, you can use cables and machines to fine tune your connection. But I think 
that if you don't, if you're just going to be one of those people that go straight for cables and uh, machines, you missed out on a motor connection that you just can't hit being such an, a, a static motion in a machine. And that's exactly what we're talking about. So it's kind of like you do, you lose the ability of getting the coordination yeah, yeah. of dealing with the must, but that's what they're saying. That's exactly mm-hmm. what science is saying. Also, you're not really creating the, when you're using machines, you don't have to concentrate as much. You're not really creating that mind-body connection that free weights do. And I agree with you entirely. Yeah, and I think that's why machines and cables are great because you don't have to think as much sometimes. Yes. Sometimes yes. it's just pushing it and feeling it, and that's it. The other part is just the whole connection of the body. I mean, you could be doing shoulders and you're bracing your legs and your your back and all this stuff, and I think that's that's a part of why, you know, bodybuilders and a lot of strength athletes who do – free weights look so good because these little muscles and fibers are being hit that they're not even noticing that they're using when using Absolutely. free weights. So let's talk about the physiology of muscle growth a little before we get into the actual lifting. So after you work out, your body repairs or replaces the damaged muscle fibers. And this is through a cellular process where it fuses muscle fibers together to form new muscle protein strands called myofibrils. Now, these repaired myofibrils increase in thickness and number to create muscle hypertrophy growth, muscle growth. Now, muscle growth occurs whenever the rate of muscle protein synthesis is greater than the rate of muscle protein breakdown. And this is important to note. This adaptation does not happen while you actually lift the weights. It occurs while you rest and recuperate. Yeah. So you're not building muscle while you're working out. No, <laughs> not at all. And I know it sounds like for me and you to say that, it's like, well, Bill, that's common sense. It's not common sense, David. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? They under why they're not bigger, you know? So when I see young people going in and I remember the old days when I, when I owned gyms and they would come in like before Saturday night going out. And pump their arms up or pump their chest up. I would just kind of chuckle at myself. I go, they have no idea that they're not getting any bigger to go off for their date. Yeah. Your thoughts yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, like I said, in the beginning, it's, it's a weird thing because stuff like that, I don't always see as a bad thing. When you're, you're high school and things like that, you just want to be in the gym. I think that's a great thing. I think that that developing the love is like, you know what? I want a quick workout before I go out. Or something like that. It's a good, but you need to understand. Like I said, the more consistent you do it, and the more effective and efficient you want to be, you'll stop doing that because you realize that I'm not, I'm not doing anything beneficial exactly. for myself. So in the beginning, it's interesting because those are the people that I say, if you stay with it long enough, you'll learn. But it's those people that go every once in a while that's, oh, I got, I'm I mean, I can't, I got to get a pump. It's like you're just doing damage, David. You're telling me I can't put two inches on in my arms before I go out Friday night. So so let's talk about the three mechanisms that actually make muscles grow. Okay. So understanding that muscle grows, grow under stress and stress disrupts the homeostasis of the body. Now, if the environment of the body is right, the body will adapt to the, to the, to the stress with bigger muscles. So there's three ways of training. And this is interesting because I've done all three throughout my career. Number one is muscle tension. 
To produce muscle growth in muscle tension, you have to apply a load of stress greater than what your muscles have previously adapted to. This is when you start and you're lifting progressively heavier weights. You're always going for that max, to increase that maximum rep. The additional attention allows growth factors, including the motor activation and satellite cells to activate. So first way is to increase muscle tension. The second is muscle damage. Now, if you've ever felt, this is when you hit start hitting supersets and start pushing things to the maximum, muscle damage. You know that. You change into workouts and you just, you're wrecking the body. Yeah. Now, if you've ever felt sore after a workout, you've experienced localized muscle damage. That's muscle damage. What this causes is a release of inflammatory molecules in the immune system cells that activate again the satellite cells to jump into action to repair and rebuild muscle. So by wrecking the muscle, you build the muscle. Mm-hmm. Then there's the metabolic stress. And this is the way I train now. So when I was younger, I obviously muscle tension. I kept trying to get stronger. And then I met, you know, as I started to go into bodybuilding, I was in muscle damage. I was complexing it. How could I damage my body as much as possible to grow bigger? Now I'm in metabolic stress. And it, this is easy to explain. If you've ever felt the burn of an exercise or the pump, This is the pump. This is metabolic stress. Mm -hmm. Metabolic stress causes cell swelling around the muscle, which helps to contribute to muscle growth without necessarily increasing the size of the muscle cells. This is from the, the addition of the muscle glycogen, which helps to swell the muscle along with the connective tissue growth, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, This creates larger muscles without necessarily increasing a lot of strength. This is when you hear the bodybuilder going for one thing, the pump. And uh, so this is why, why do I have to train this way now? Because I am 61 years old and I can make joints. It's all about joint health and you can't keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So I will do a little bit of progressive, you know, strength training as I go through my phases now that I'm competing again. But I'm never going to hit the weights that I hit when I was your age. And I'm not going to wreck my body like I did when I was your age because I won't recuperate from it. So I'm always about the pump. Everything's about the pump. You know, and that's what I'm trying to teach uh, Kevin, my son-in-law, who's training with me. It, it was it was so funny because the other day, it was like, you got first time you ever got a fucking... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm cursed. First time you ever got a pump. And he was like... He was shocked. I go, yes, that's what you're supposed to get, the pump. So, my friend, David, let's dress this for a second because I know you got something on your mind to say. Obviously, you've been lifting for a long time. You're a bodybuilder now, but you've been lifting for, what, a decade or more, right? Yeah, high school. Yeah, so you start with muscle tension, right? Uh, increasing weights, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, when I started, I was in weightlifting in high school. So the whole point was just to put on numbers. I mean, they didn't, we didn't care about a look. We didn't care about size. We just wanted to be able to push more weight. Yes. Then you started working with your coach and you went into some serious muscle damage. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that's some of those sure. new workouts, right? Yeah. Remember those new workouts? And then as you got near to the show, you learned all about metabolic stress and It's all about the pump. You use all three. Am I correct? Yeah, for sure. 
And where are you now? Because I'm pretty much settled because this is going to be my size, right? My my compete at a middleweight and my maximum weight could be 176 and a quarter. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go up to the next weight class in my 60s. So I pretty much know my training is pretty dialed in. How about you who's just really beginning his bodybuilding career? How are you using all of this? Um, right, right now, I would say I'm kind of with the, the tension part because this is a a new weight at a new composition for me so as far as building the strength trying to set the foundation of what i can actually lift now um but my workouts generally will um incorporate some type of superset so you still do damage yeah so my workouts I, i i would i think it's important to to either have two or one of them. If you're going in for powerlifting, powerlift, you know. But for me, I, I go for strength because strength is what I want to be able to put up as far as number-wise, but not just for, like, strength reasons. is because I do want to be able to pump with heavier weight. Okay. So my workouts will start out, warm up, hit those top sets, those heaviest sets, and try to progressively overload each week like that. But then usually the back-off sets are chasing for that pump trying to fill the muscle up with as much blood as possible, things like that. And you, since my workouts are, the body parts are generally close to two times a week, one will be geared towards progressively overloading with weight. The other one will be towards just pumping up the muscle so I can actually, because if I was doing both progressively overload, I don't think I'd be able to recover. So the pump day is a lot easier for me to recover from. It's easier on my joints and things like that. And then those heavier days, um, you know, I do it usually once a week, same thing. And so what people don't realize is you have to cycle these workouts. So Brett yeah. just competed. By the way, he took second. I got, he did well. But first time in that class, he just competed. He's a power lifter, right? Mm-hmm. So he's always focused on muscle tension, increasing his strength. But in the off season, which he'll have like this off season now, he'll use metabolic stress on the pump and he'll train like a bodybuilder. See, mm-hmm. he's using that so his body can heal so he can go to the next level of increasing his strength. So there's this cycling of workouts. And you and I are going to get more into workouts here in a second. But there isn't just one thing to do. It's not just about going and trying to lift more weights. Because if your form is bad, I don't care what the weight is. The one thing I will, I was taught by my mentor, Dan, the muscles never looking out and saying how much you got on the bar. It only knows what it feels. Yeah. So if you're cheating stuff up, you know, you're not doing anything. So that's important factor. So building muscle, I will say, has one key factor for everybody. Recuperation. Mm -hmm. Recuperation is tied to the wellness network hormones that we talk about on the show. The MGF or the MECO growth factor is the peptide derived from IGF-1. That increase, this is increases protein synthesis, which brings more amino acids mobilized to the muscle fiber that has been damaged by the resistance training. This is increased for about 72, I would say 48 to 72 hours after training. And that MGF is derived from insulin growth factor one. And we did an entire episode on IGF one, and it's important to understand it. Now, what increases IGF-1? It's one of the essential hormones to build muscle. Melatonin increases it. When do you produce melatonin? When you sleep. 
I think it's even more important to understand what lowers it. <laughs> what mm-hmm. lowers IGF-1 is a diet too high in sugar, poor sleep, alcohol use, an unhealthy liver. All that will lower your IGF-1. While testosterone is essential for muscle growth. That's for women and for men. And as it increases protein synthesis and inhibits protein breakdown and activates satellite cells, it stimulates other anabolic hormones. But it's IGF-1 that regulates the amount of muscle mass growth by enhancing the protein synthesis. It's what affects your growth hormone. IGF-1 facilitates glucose uptake, repartitionating, uptake of amino acids. And I'm going to have you explain how you do your pre-workout and everything to to play with this hormone. Mm-hmm. And this is the building blocks. These amino acids are the building blocks of protein into the skeletal muscles, increasing muscle growth. So before we get into more details, right? I will tell you guys this. If you want to build muscle and you want to build size, sleep, sleep, sleep. While diet is essential for muscle growth, correct training is a must Nothing, none of that matters if you don't sleep. You have to learn how to monitor your sleep. You have to understand REM deep and HRV. In fact, poor sleep actually reverses the anabolic process, which is needed for the wellness network to build muscle. It creates a catabolic environment of stress and breaks the body down. The response of muscle protein metabolism to resistance training lasts about 24 to 48 hours. This is the interaction between your diet, protein metabolism, and any meals consumed in this period will determine the impact of the diet on muscle growth. Here's another thing. Your diet has to be dialed in for your physiology to build muscle. The diet has to help the body repair. But again, diet can be perfect, but without sleep, it will not matter. So let's talk building some muscle, David. And let's start, we're going to start with diet a little bit. And so the five, remember the five elements of health, and it's the same for building muscle, right? One is sleep, two is water, three is green focused mind, four is diet, and five is exercise. We're going to focus on diet and exercise. So what's your current weight now, David? Uh, 258. So you're 258 pounds percentage of body fat? Um, I'd probably say I'm like probably under 14, maybe 15 right now. And so that is a very lean, almost 260-pound man, right? Yeah, I still, the, the abs are still holding on. I'm still pretty vascular. It's, it's, it's all the healthy signs of putting on weight but not losing control. So... What is your current diet regimen? How how did you how do you set your diet to create it? And, and before you mention that, what's your goals? What's uh, your goals? Right for now, this? it's just to, to to put on size and and stay injury free. I would probably say that's the easiest way I would put it is to be able to push into those harder phases of when you start to cut and go calorie deficit. I want my joints, my body, everything to feel good to go through that extra stress. Cause right now is actually not the stress, you know, <laughs> right now is the fun part. So your diet. So somebody listening that wants to gain muscle, right? They want to gain muscle. They want to build, they want to build. We're talking about building muscle today. It's a path to building muscle. So don't be afraid. 
just let's talk to those that want to build muscle today. We never do episodes for them. They deserve it. How do you determine how to set their diet? Um, first, I, I find their their BMR, um, their basal metabolic rate, uh, and then we find goals. What's the weight you want to be at? What's the weight you want to go up or down? Because uh, it's not always just up or down. You know, some people want to recomp and things like that, which is just reshaping the body without really putting on muscle. Uh, but like, if your goal is to put on muscle, um, we slowly taper up the calories. I, I like to do only 200, maybe 250 calories above your BMR, just to see how your body responds. For me, that didn't do nothing. I mean, 250 over my, I, I'm too active for that and amount. So then you taper up after two or three weeks and start to see. Um, but that's that's how I would set the calories. And from there, you find out your protein. And your protein is usually figured out by your body weight or your goal body weight by 1.25 grams per body weight. So if you're 100 pounds, you do 100 times 1.25, and that's your protein. The rest I fill in with carbs and keep the fats low. Okay. For me, I like to stay around the 50, 60 mark of grams of fat throughout the day. And then you just see if somebody's feeling lethargic, if their el elbows are hurting, joints are hurting, then maybe they need some more fat or supplement with something like fish oil and uh, MCT oil, omega-6, things like that. But for the most part, if you can get your protein in and your carbs in through those calories, uh, the fat you generally have enough fat. Now, if somebody was really, really skinny trying to put on, I would probably have the fats a little bit higher because their body doesn't have enough fat to run off of. But for me, I do tend to store fat as I put on muscle. So I know I can keep my fats low because I have a storage to use. Okay. So what, so you, you, you set, the, they set their diet, right? And, and they, and they're watching it, monitoring and everything else. What's the eating patterns that you want them to eat? So I like to, have anybody who is starting first hour of you waking up, get that first meal in you. Uh, and then after that, every two to two and a half hours, three hours is pushing it, eat again and try to get six meals at or five to six, six would be ideal. Um, six, if you can't have these bigger meals, uh, I like to do six, almost seven, just so I can make my meals a little bit smaller, but the more frequency and the more opportunity for muscle protein synthesis in the body, the more opportunities your body is having to grow. So like Bill said, in the gym, you're breaking it down. While you're eating, you're giving it opportunities to grow. So people who eat one time a day, you gave it one opportunity. Now, if you ate six times a day, you have six opportunities. And that's where the important part is. You start to feel better. Your digestion feels a lot better. You're mentally clear. And you notice that that soreness isn't as bad anymore. That's very, that that's put very well. So let's talk about, the way you manipulate hormones with the diet, okay? So we talked about, and I didn't go into too much depth in the hormones, but your main hormones are testosterone, IGF-1, and managing the stress network of cortisol and insulin, correct? Mm -hmm. So what is, a, and just, you know, if you don't want to share it, you don't have to, but I would like you to kind of give them how you do your pre-workout before mm -hmm. your workout and why you do that. Yeah, so so my pre-workout, you have to look at all the foods that you eat as a function. So my protein is obviously for recovery. My carbs are my energy. So I tend to have a more heavier carb meal before the gym, which is an easy digesting carb. So either cream of rice, 
uh, rice, rice cakes, um, something that's easy on the stomach so you're not really full, your body's able to digest it. Um, but what that is doing is it's increasing your insulin. It's spiking that, that insulin, and that's the nutrient driver to the muscle. So as you're starting to break it down and you're at the gym, the blood is going to where it needs to, but it's full of nutrients. So sometime in between my workout, I'll have what we call an intra uh, shake, uh, which is simple carbs that are able to break down. Again, filling the blood full of nutrients, spice the insulin, and it goes straight to the muscle. So what we're doing is just shuttling as much blood full of nutrients to the muscle we're breaking down. And that way, I think it's one, kind of like a way to look at recovery in the gym. You know, you're providing the muscles with the nutrients you're pretty much tearing down, but it gives you the energy to push as hard as you should. You know, if you're going to bust your ass in the gym, might as well give it everything you got. So those two things I've seen to uh, help me not fe- not only feel better, but put on some size. And what about your post? So this is what pre-workout and during workout, mm-hmm. what's the post after the workout look like? So post is... Um, I, I would say, well, for me, it's going to be another easy digesting carb. And this is where you increase your protein. So let's say I have rice and chicken before. My chicken would normally be lower than what I normally eat. So maybe like four ounces, four ounces, and then my normal rice meal. And then after, I would have uh, a good amount of simple, easy digesting carbs. So rice, um, maybe a potato something like that. And then my protein would go back to normal. So I usually cut my protein in half pre-workout. So if I'm eating four ounces before I eat eight ounces after, and then maybe I'll have a little bit of olive oil or something on top of it and slow down the breakdown process of just the proteins and things like that. But the carbs are still going through the system because the insulin spike was so high from the pre and the intra that it's still shuttling these nutrients to where they need to be. Now, if you are working out super late, the, the, the carbs after may be something that you might want to be wary of. So I wouldn't suggest keeping your insulin that high while you're trying to go to sleep. So when we talk about, and we always talk about the stress response or the cortisol and insulin hormones, insulin's job is to move nutrients into the cells. That's its job. Mm-hmm. When you become insulin resistant, that means your cell doors are locked. You're still mm-hmm. pumping insulin in the body, but it has no place to shuttle anything. So what you get is you get metabolic syndrome. Yeah. What David is saying, he's manipulating the body's natural resources to enhance muscle growth. That's how you manipulate things. You can manipulate things, and that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and what I will say for, for people that look at carbs as, oh, carbs is rice or bread or something. With, with the, the pre, I would have honey, which is sugar. And people are like, oh, sugar is the devil. No, it's not. If you can utilize it and deploy at the right times, I mean, sugar becomes your best friend for a lot of things, um, especially in performance aspects of it. So the intro is, when I say simple carbs, it's basically sugar. It's not your table sugar. It's a dextrose, which is, it's not hard to break down in the liver. It's easy to be shuttled by nutrient, uh, by insulin, and it gives it di- direct. So the functions of your body aren't taking over. So I would say for those people who are like, oh, I'm cutting all sugar out. If you want to put on muscle and you're not having issues with sugar, you know, your A1C isn't super high or you're fasting, you know, glucose is super high. Any, you're not insulin resistant. 
then you're missing out on a, a very important pathway of using insulin because insulin is very anabolic. And if you can manipulate your own source of insulin, you can put on a good amount of muscle while feeling great while doing it and still keeping your A1C very low. Yeah, because of your workout, you're using it. It's mm -hmm. not like you're eating sugar. Not just, you're not all, disrupting yeah. your body. You're mm -hmm. actually using it because when the body's disrupted, it's catabolic, it's breaking down. That's mm -hmm. when you're storing fat. When it's anabolic and building, you're burning fat. So yeah. you're not, it's it's not like people eating a freaking Snickers bar because they're hungry. It's not. What yeah, there's a reason why about. some of these runners are eating 65, 7,000 calories a day. It's just when they sit on a bike and they're taxing themselves all day long, they're not putting on a lot of muscle. They're just giving it enough to get through the, the process that they're using. With so, us, we find the right amount. We're not yeah. overdoing it. We're not underdoing it. But we're feeding it what we need in a surplus enough for your body to recover, but also get the functions of the day done properly. Well, I'm not going to have that much time to go into training, and we'll have to do another show on that, but I want to stay on diet a little bit. Let's talk about women. Tell them about Vanessa, her diet, what she's doing, her weight, and the amount of calories she takes in to build muscle. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I, I've created a kind of a career goal that I want to become a, a pro professional coach for women because I think it's it's a very interesting take. Uh, I, in the beginning, I tried to treat her like me, you know, through the same food, same everything, training, all that stuff. And I didn't see her respond well, but I did see her break down well, <laughs> you know, so I saw her, I saw her beat up all the time. I watched her eat, you know, she get, and um, I thought she's a tiny girl, man. Give her 2,000, 1,800 calories. She'll be fine. That's what her BMR says. Like I went by the book the same way. So I didn't just guess. And sure enough, she's not gaining any anyway i mean literally nothing um and that's when i upped her calories even more 25 2600 nothing i mean nothing and i would start having her send me her meals her logs making sure she was eating because you know at first you're like this is impossible you know so then i upped it to 3000 and utilized cheat days you know extra calories one day and eat 3000 we're definitely in the surplus like that was my my thing and Sure enough, it went up slowly. And I mean very slowly. And that's why I started to realize that her metabolism is just tasking on her body. Like it is firing at a rate that I'm not used to because mine doesn't fire the same way. I also have Hashimoto, so that's a different thing that when I was doing this with her, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. You know, so mine was slow as all could be, hers is fast, and I expected the same results. Um and that's where I said, you know what, we're gonna keep the the protein where it needs to be. There's no point of forcing protein. Um, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, I need to gain weight, so I'm going to double the protein. Now you're eating 400 and you're like 200 pounds or 150 pounds. It makes no sense. So I, I kept her protein the same. I upped the carbs and see how that went. Went better, went better. For her, and what I've seen with a lot of women, is that fats actually aren't really their enemy. It's moderate fats still but higher carbs so usually when i tank them like i do because 50 to 60 is relatively low it wasn't enough for her and she started feeling lethargic and started feeling a little bit overwhelmed things like that and i instantly snapped to her leptin connection probably not the greatest you know because her, her fats are really low so she was ended up eating around 3200 plus a cheat day once i mean a cheat day like whatever the hell you want cheat day 
Um, and then she slowly started putting on weight, which is what we want. We don't want to one day go five pounds in one week. Um, but you want that slow, gradual. And then we wanted to taper off, you know? So for her to keep her weight, which was a battle from 97 pounds to, I think yesterday was 128 pounds. It took a year. So that's 30 pounds that. of muscle though. That it's is no yes, joke. Very lean. Yes. And, it, and people are like, oh, cheat days. She logged it. She logged her cheat days. Just sure. so she knows that she's at least getting to 3,200. And she's hitting the proteins because it's still important to make sure you get the proper nutrients regardless of what you're eating. I just think that it's a great story because plus you look at her as a woman and you think, well, she can't eat. She eats more than anyone in our family, yeah, including Brett, yeah, the power hard. lifter. You understand that, right? Yeah. She out eats everyone in our family. And again, that's what we mean. You can't, you got to go by the book to start with, but you got to be flexible and learn about your body and adjust. Yeah, we have blood work and we do a lot of advanced stuff to look at things, but some of it's just common sense. You've got to start basic and mm -hmm. then you've got to build off it. And that's what I'm going to talk about in Thursday when we talk about building your path on a mountain. It's always built in neutrality. You don't build it from the initial plan. The initial plan gets you started. And then it's the adjustments of the plan that are going to lead you up on your mm -hmm. path. And it's no different for, for anything you want to change. You have to change your routine. And so for her, not only changing her routine, changing her entire belief systems because she's different. She's just a different, it's a different animal and she's a hell of a bodybuilder, you know? And so and she's still little. Yeah, she's like I, I I can't believe how much she eats. Yeah, yeah she's still little, you know. And she I I just to put it in, I get I bring in I eat twenty five hundred calories a day. That's my my diet, you know. And I'm maintaining one hundred and ninety between one hundred ninety and one hundred ninety five lean, right? Mm -hmm. Man, if I ate what she ate, I would weigh I I would gain I would get so fat. It's just unbelievable how different it is. Yeah, to, ma to maintain my, right now, the where I want to sit is where, you know, between the 255 to 260, I'm eating 3,500 calories in a cheat day. Like, she's not far behind me. And, and that's <laughs> she's half we, your size. Yeah, so now that we got into the weight, now the, the cheat days become methodical. It became a cheat meal. And then we mm. found the meal that we think works best is sushi something easy to digest. It's not raising a protein super high and we can monitor very easy. So like I said, from the first person who starts, you kind of just throw the kitchen sink at it. You're going to get results because you're new. I mean, I mm -hmm. promise you can lift the weight two, three times a week and you'd be like, wow, it doesn't always stay that easy. You know, your newbie gains do leave and then you learn to become more efficient and effective with it because you realize that it takes a lot of time of your day. And if you're putting a lot of effort into something and then you're not reaping the rewards, that's when people quit. Well, I train six days a week and I do this, 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 and you're busting. I see you busting your ass. What are you doing at home? Are you eating as hard as you're training? It's like, what? It's like, yeah. It's, are mean, you drinking water? Are you drinking your yeah, water? Are you doing this? Simple things. Things like that. And, yeah. and that's where when people ask me, how'd you get like that? I was like, I eat, I sleep, I work out. And that's yep. always the workouts at the end because it's not what I did in the gym. It's what I did at home that counts. I agree. Good yeah. job, David. 
That's it for today's show. Our mission here is to create a shift in the planet. You can join us on this mission by simply like, share, and subscribe. Links are right below the show notes. As always, until next time, stay inspired.